Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. You know, no one likes a smartass. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 411, Wake Up, is sponsored by Framework Fire Pokers. Perfect for prodding a steaming pile of fart pebbles. Wow, you went with the fart pebbles. Pete, the only pre-roll info we got before we dive on to this episode is today, as we record this, uh, November, November, January 25th, Marvel announced a secret announcement for something tomorrow. So I'm going to assume that that's going to warrant at least a brief little podcast update in the coming days. We'll have to see, Matt, but I can assure you I know what it is. And we'll be talking. When we catch you up on what went down, our teaser, Matt, begins five days ago in another episode. Yeah, it immediately was like, hey, didn't they already do one of these Forrest Gump type episodes? Uh, which indeed they did during the Ghost Rider pod. But uh, that was such great fun. I guess they're doing it again. It's uh, May being sent on that uh, super easy, quote-unquote, milk run to Radcliffe's. Uh, we have old footage and then new footage with Radcliffe asking if the director uh, knows anything about Ada. And uh, Pete, that, that Dr. Radcliffe, he's so nice. He's offering to help let May into the apartment. He's such a nice guy and I'm sure he's going to be totally reliable in this episode. Yeah, because we know how all of this works out even before the, the twists embedded within this episode here. Uh, May asserts that she is going to destroy the Darkhold herself, something that we now know Radcliffe has designs on getting his hands on. Uh, once she leaves, he calls Ada uh, tells her to access her information cache to activate Sunset Protocol. As May arrives, uh, Ada is looking for the neuro assessment gauge. Uh, she then uh, injects that into May. Uh, the door opens. We see the May uh, life model decoy uh, unclothed, Matt. Thank uh, goodness there was strategically placed stuff naturally in Radcliffe's home. Otherwise, Pete, we would have seen bits and pieces. Exactly. But uh, Ada apologizes to uh, the actual Agent May as she removes the clothes and then dresses the LMD, which brings us to one day ago. But not before the copy wakes up and asks about the neural assessment gauge, showing Pete that the copy is complete. Yes. But as you say, one day ago, we have May B, that's the, the B's for bot, uh, on the run, while Maine May wakes up. It's the best spa ever. There's Hunky Hunkerton comes in, ready for the sensual massage. She leaves, cut, hard cut, wakes up in the best spa day ever. Hunky Hunkerton comes in, ready to give her a sensual massage. And though it repeats, I believe, three times for us, and each time with a bit more... Um, uh, a bit quicker cuts. It is made clear that it is unclear how much she remembers, but just enough is getting through. There's just enough kind of opposition there uh, each time for her to make her way out of the room. Um, 
but but still wake up back in that spa uh, fantasy as you coined it matt full credit this may tricks uh later referred to in the episode as the framework um as we learn later on uh is defined really by radcliffe making this um painful enough for may no wonder we wind up in the bahrain memories come the very very end of the episode but we will get there in due course may wakes up finally is is agitating that spa fantasy enough to wake up she fights ada as we have previously seen uh then is uh is knocked out again and then pete very coldly ada wonders why they don't just kill the main may after all she is empirically the same pete ada has no morals yes this is uh set today as we're told uh radcliffe is looking over her heart rate and the whole subject here do we need that original may well radcliffe draws the distinction here that uh you know we're we're in a beta you know the 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 framework it's the first time it's mentioned in the in the episode is a beta we're not killers nathanson that was a desperate measure yeah our life model decoy should get us to the dark hold. And I just, I love this cognitive dissonance. If you can imagine it, Pete, this cognitive dissonance from a, from a, a smart, educated uh, guy, such as, uh, such as Radcliffe here, they're not killers. Despite the fact that they killed Nathanson stuff happens. Yeah. And the ultimate backup here. Yes, Matt, our second LMD. Ooh, Fun, fun, fun with that. We get the robotic title card, and then uh, there's discussion in uh, in with the director and uh, and the agents there assembled, uh, along with Talbot, to, uh, about the need for, for S.H.I.E.L.D. to continue to operate in the public eye. So it's time for Daisy to march on up to Capitol Hill to publicly sign the Sokovia Accords. Pete, that's from that's from the movies. It is. And amidst all this discussion, we get the classic trope of well now we know there's a second lmd so simmons points out but wait daisy that doesn't sound like you and wait colson that doesn't sound like you either bringing them into suspicion of course when they are not the possible lmds and uh as the discussion rounds out after some some quips out of uh Talbot first that there'll be no yo-yoing there was much yo-yoing and it was great and we'll, we'll get to some yo-yoing in a moment um secondly the whole thing about um politicians <laughs> boy that's not ripped right out of our headlines uh so too is the notion that uh with the with the publicly uh the, the publicly fronted shield here operating in the sunshine doing right with proper oversight while daisy is signing those so uh, sokovia accords the plan is uh because uh colson the, the plan is for colson and team to break into senator nadir's office to plant surveillance uh, again i don't think it's there's not an overt political thing there but just the notion of the notion pete that our heroes are surveilling elected officials 
and we, the audience, are okay with it because we know Senator Nadir is bad. There's just a, a brief moment there where it's like, wait, what are the priorities here again? But uh, Talbot is certainly against all of this. Um, and uh, he, of course, wants to keep this above-board government agency doing only above-board things. The maybe in this uh, scene kind of like drifts off, which uh, she's asked if she's with them. We nicely transition to Radcliffe checking out uh, May A's eyes here and explaining there would never be any reason for Ada to harm May A again. Um, which then leads to Ada knocking, uh, look like a, a little, uh, jar of, uh, you know, supplies off of the counter. Oh dear. She heads out of the room as she does. Uh, May A is able to start cutting at her restraints as we hit the first act break. Pete, I, I read from my notes, which have not been edited, uh, the doctor leaves, Ada knocks over the glass, oh dear, not again, and then in parentheses I, I wrote, an odd writerly mistake for her to make. It was so kind of, it was so poorly written, but not to the point that you wouldn't believe it being like, well, you give the show what they have to, so then May wakes up, and the fact that they're in your face with this thing of, oh dear, not again, well, why would Ada continue to make a repetitive motion mistake that results in glass being broken? It doesn't make sense, but um, well, as we'll learn, it, it it does make sense in a sense. But Pete, then we get the act break, and then oh, ay ay ay. <laughs> well, the this script here, credit where credit is due, with uh, Drew Greenberg's uh, script. You know, some of the choices seem odd, but as it comes full circle, again, that's the nature of drama you know defying these expectations with act two here matt um i can't read from my notes because some stuff will just cause me to blush over the podcast here but uh let's just say yo-yo and mac are pretty close well pete i want you to take a seat pete you know when when two people love each other well you see pete they just yeah. How about Mac gets a text and starts to dress quickly? <laughs> Glossed over a lot there. Uh, she talked about uh, enjoying his company despite being an engineer. His his arm, she's thirsty. She gets up. That's when the phone, Matt, vibrates. Uh, is it time for a mission, she asks? No, she's not in on this one as he gets dressed and we transition back to shield headquarters where Fitz is watching surveillance video of Ada. Yeah. He appears to be, to be going down a certain road. Is he catching something? Is he investigating further? I think upon first viewing, is he, is he seeing his cybernetic sister in her, you know, kind of what's going on is something up. Uh, this is punctuated by May, of course, May B, um, arriving to ask uh, security-related questions about, about this whole incident. So uh, kind of certainly much, um, much mystery in the air uh, with Fitz. The key question that May B asks is how aware Ada is of what she's doing. 
Um, and the upshot of the discussion between maybe and Fitz is that that's just not how you're built is an interesting phrase there. The story then moves to the, uh, the, the launch bay area of S.H.I.E.L.D. HQ. We have Coulson, Talbot, and Mace walking out. Talbot is not okay with Nadir's office being bugged, but he's obviously also allowing it kind of as the, the person who is ostensibly overseeing the director and overseeing the oversight of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Pete, all, these messes just keep happening, and that's when, that's when Talbot... It says that he's just sick of Coulson's mess of a steaming pile of fart pebbles. A line which I'm pretty sure was was re-recorded. So I'm wondering what was the steaming pile before it was hashtag fart pebbles. Yeah, so uh, we got to get our writer there via Twitter to uh, reveal what the actual line is, if he will. Pete, the question I would have for Drew Greenberg is what line was replaced by fart pebbles? So... Uh, I, I guess hopefully we hear from uh, at Drew Zachary. That's his Twitter name. Hopefully he uh, he tells the Agents of Shield world where wh- where was the thi- what was the thing from before the hashtag Fart Pebbles. But Pete, then the story returns back, presumably, presumably to Radcliffe's apartment. Yes, with May bleeding there, uh, trying to make her escape as she goes through her restraints. Ada returns. Radcliffe tells her uh, she needs I'm sorry, he needs to go out. A situation must be attended to. Um, If Agent May gives her any trouble, she asks. Oh, she won't. Of course not. Coulson and Yo-Yo are checking in. On their assignment, love that Yo-Yo here is able to uh, to don the suit as well. Um, and uh, Coulson points out that Mac requested personal time, and uh, you know they're they're not going to have this discussion uh, about it, but they're going to have a discussion about surveilling Senator Nadir, Matt. Exciting stuff, but back we go to Radcliffe's. Uh, but sure enough, May slices her way out. She gets to that frosted glass door, only to be door glass face punched by Ada. That's right, Ada punches through the door glass to May's face. Ada then grabs a conveniently placed metallic wall sconce, ready to swing to end the act. As Act 3 begins here, Matt, Ada slashes down. There are chairs used. There are chokes held. There are throws. And Ada points out that she likes Agent May. She doesn't wish for her to suffer. That's why she promises she will make this quick and painless as she grabs a fire poker. Agent May does. Okay, she tells her, Uh, Thanks, but she's not worried and then jams that right into Ada as she makes her escape. Back to Washington, D.C. itself. Daisy, then Mace arrive on the set for every courtroom ever. Um, She's not worried. Neither are we even by the I guess they came together, but then they arrived slightly separately for dramatic purposes. It's all good. He asks her about putting on an act and uh he he t- 
talks about how sad her heart must have been in the past when she was in foster care, putting on an act to be liked. Now he needs to put on an act and his heart is heavy. This goes on for some time. Yeah, um, I was so taken aback. Again, we so rarely get to see our agents, particularly uh, Yo-Yo and now Daisy, wearing something else than the the shield getup. So to see her in this this vibrant, classy red pantsuit here in this in this uh, every courtroom ever seen. Um, and, and then the dialogue kind of pulls it down a little bit. The super, the super serious stuff. We get it. Okay. Um, but the idea of it not being an act and, and, you know, Colson taught me this and, and Colson believed in, in me that. And, uh, once we're there, it's a situation where, um, you know, we're, we're setting up. Okay, Mace had the had the big scenes last week, and he's not really an inhuman, but not everybody here doesn't know that. And we're bringing these two characters who were quite far apart at one time much closer together. Pete, with that, Senator Nadir comes in. She's threatening fire and hellfire and brimstone, and the roof is going to fall. And she, Pete, it's like she seems to think she has the upper hand, but that would just be crazy. With that, Daisy gets sworn in, still in the smallest courtroom ever. Uh, meanwhile, slightly improving the set situation here, Colson and Yo-Yo are, uh, are, are continuing towards her office. The walk uh, and talk. The, 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 it, Pete, for Clark Gregg, it must have been like he was back on the West Wing there, wearing the suit, the talking, and the walking all happening. They banter about Mac, um, and they kind of set up a mysterious Mac reason for leaving. Colson doesn't want to talk about it. Yo-Yo wants to know about it. Maybe he should look in, she should look in his file. Pete, I think they're setting this up for La Futura, the future. Anyhow, uh, with that, Colson and Yo-Yo get to, uh, get to uh, planting their cameras while back in the testimony room, uh, Nadir ratchets up the dialogue. And uh, Pete, that's when it turns out Yo-Yo has opened one drawer too many. Yeah, the the flash, and then she's thrown across the office there. Suddenly, uh, law enforcement is on top of them, and as we're crescendoing in uh, the the Senate room, the testimony room, whatever we're going to call that, she has knowledge of people who were just immediately caught in her office, though we've not seen a note slip or any kind of earpiece or anything like that, and they are brought in. And Matt, what do you know? It appears that S.H.I.E.L.D. is really a criminal organization after all act break. Bad, all capital letters, exclamation point. Shield, frowny face, and act break indeed. We return from the act break. Off on a, on a side room or a hallway adjacent to this, this hearing room. Good news, Pete. Colson and company are getting a pass. For now. Investigations may or may not be coming. Almost seemed like the show wasn't quite sure where they wanted to springboard with this exactly. So giving a little, little latitude. Um, but they are sure that there's a leak because Pete, they say it clearly. There's a leak. And <laughs> there then has to be a leak. Everyone looks at Talbot and then he explains step by step to 
those all assembled and the audience why it's not him so pete talbot not a talbot <laughs> um and the antagonism here between talbot and colson they always play these scenes well clark gregg and uh, Adrian Pazdar. But Coulson uh, tells Talbot he does this all the time. Uh, He did it in Taiwan. And of course, um, Talbot shoots back that they had his son at the time. Um, And with the admission, at least, you know, on face value, that he's not the leak, Talbot explains that S.H.I.E.L.D. only exists because of him. Maybe that's a mistake. Um, and with, with, with that dagger, Matt, with that emotional dagger, we go back to real daggers where May continues to run from Ada. Yes. To recap, when last May fought Ada moments ago, minutes ago, uh, she had, she had stabbed her with the metal rod, leaving her presumably, you know, unable to, to continue. Uh, May gets to the top of the, uh, the stairwell there. And then finds a perfectly fine Ada. I think this is uh, another moment where the show allows the audience to be slightly ahead of the reveals. Um, but uh, quick fight ensues. Ada is thrown off the balcony. That's when there's uh, holographic uh, static. And it's, uh, it's revealed that not only is this all a simulation, but May has reached the end of the program. Um, the- the framework as it's explained here when she uh, rematerializes and the explanation that Dr. Radcliffe thought it would be good for her to have something to fight. But as Ada tells her, she is rewriting the framework faster than they can code it. The program then starts again, and uh, we return to the real world where May B and Simmons confront Fitz. Where is the leak? Uh, Simmons is on Fitz about his obsession with the Ada head. Um, And at this point, in this scene, Pete, all signs point to Fitz being the robot, which had me just apoplectic with with concern. Uh, they also get out the dialogue that Ada has the Deathlock eyes, the, the eye technology from the mm-hmm. Deathlock program that can transmit. Um, therefore, perhaps Simmons uh, incorrectly assumes that uh, the Ada head has has been able to, to share plans back. Well, I guess that's true enough, but certainly not not the source of the, the leak currently. Um, although with that revelation, maybe runs on out. No one notices because Fitzsimmons, everyone's favorite British couple, are fighting. Yeah, and uh, Simmons telling Fitz that uh, he's put everybody at risk. Finally, he tells her to stop. He has a theory. This is not an obsession. Matt, Gemma, it's an investigation. (gasps) Meanwhile, at stately Radcliffe Manor, Maybe knocks on the door. Radcliffe is there. And maybe says, what did you do to me? What to the end- hell did you do oh. to me? Well, Pete, I, I don't use those sweary words, but <laughs> I guess, Pete, I guess we're one of those podcasts now that just has to, has to, has to curse all the time. It is, it is a location and, uh, B we're in the 10 o'clock hour, Matt. This is fantastic geek after dark. Commercials now concluded. We return to maybe upset 
but Radcliffe tells her about her core programming to continue the mission regardless of these revelations, twists, and turns. May B denies it. Uh, it, it can be the she's going to be the best May that she can be at all costs. That is when the Shield crew comes on in to arrest Radcliffe. You know, the principal actors and some guys in helmets. Um, Radcliffe says that he may have tweaked Ada's programming, um, but but he hasn't done anything worse, has he? Pete may be can't say a thing. Yeah, but before this, Matt, you're glossing over a, a, a massive point here um, that, that she was sent in unaware of her mission because, and, and this had been mentioned in last week's episode, you know, she, she might've tipped her hand, but it's the idea of the sadness inside her that that's been exploited for his purposes points out that he's been inside her brain. He knows what she wants or rather whom she wants Felinda's ah Pete romance still alive back at shield HQ Mac is home uh there's there's a a a heartfelt earnest and earned scene where where yo-yo confronts him about his uh about his his secret Pete Lafutura is now uh he explains that he went to see his his ex uh and then that's when Yo-Yo says that she likes him, but this, she's not jealous. She's not a cliche that, you know, this, this is just too, too difficult and confusing. Mac then further explains that he went to see his ex and that he had a daughter, Hope. She only lived for four days. His ex, Nicole, had wanted to spend the day with Mac to not be alone ahead of what would have been Hope's birthday. Pete, this is an understated, lovely scene that squarely hits the heart. And here's where the the twists in this latter point of the episode really, really come back. You know, we we have uh, Henry Simmons' character whisked away. We're not quite clear on it. You know, we we started to think is is he the other LMD? What's what's going on here? Um, and now to have it revealed that he's got this super sad backstory. Although we're going to touch on this in our level seven segment, um, goes from uh, Yo-Yo having the upper hand and rightfully being upset. What you were with your ex? This is cliche. We get together, and and now this to Rotro. She overstepped her bounds. With that, we cut to Colson, uh, and uh, the idea that today wasn't great. Pete, cauliflower isn't great. What was I'm going to dispute that. Cauliflower is wonderful. I'm, I'm, I know it's just a line that's written and Clark Gregg has to read it, but I'm sorry. I'm, I'm squarely in the corner of cauliflower. I, I do rather like cauliflower as well, but Pete, that's just a setup in part because this might be Fantastic Geek after dark, but I'm going to make you say the line, what was today? Fantastic geek after dark. <laughs> no, <laughs> but Colson says today was a, today was a kick in the balls, Pete. That's what I'm trying to avoid saying. I wouldn't have said that. Maybe a kick in the testicles. We'll go. We'll go clinical, all <laughs> up in here in the ten o'clock hour where it's fantastic geek after dark. <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, it it was not a good situation and uh out in the open for us that at least in somewhere in May A's noggin she has romantic feelings for Colson to see this scene between maybe and uh Colson and and know again the the misconnection it it feels a little bit like Fitz and Simmons all over again, but instead of traumatic brain injury and being whisked away to another planet, it's uh, robot abduction. Meanwhile, in the inhuman jail set, which I thought was a nice kind of reuse, of course, it's a jail, so why not stick Radcliffe in there, although he's not not inhuman, and as we're about to learn, not human. Um, Radcliffe with Pete, the kind of extra long beard stubble, uh, which I which I noticed as this episode went on, and and they used to fine effect in this scene and its and its mate in a moment. Uh, but uh, Radcliffe is on ice, and Fitz is there to visit, or is it a visit? Fitz? <laughs> Anyhow, Radcliffe has turned on anyone. Fitz calls him a sociopath. Rad uh, Radcliffe then pulls the dad card. Maybe that's Dadcliffe. Uh, Fitz calls him mad, and then Pete Fitz looks at him closely. And notices something, goes and gets the sidearm from uh, the guard, and as Radcliffe um, tells Fitz, he still cares about him, Fitz, he shoots him in the head in this uh, containment room. Uh, the the effect there, the, the blue kind of uh, backlit, clearly a life model decoy as he continues to repeat that line and again and again to quite an eerie effect. Indeed, Pete, the reveal that Radcliffe is actually Bradcliffe. <laughs> Radcliffe B, you see. Um, but Pete, the, the, the climax is not over. The, the grand reveal then that shorter beard stubbled Radcliffe prime is with Senator Nadir. Pete, he is the leak, it seems. Yes, watching over the pad there. Um, and uh, she points out that there may be a problem. He says, that, however, that he had anticipated this. He uh, is, is ready to move forward. She says, however, that she cannot protect him. He will have to meet the superior now. And he closes the body of the episode by telling her fine whatever it takes pete it seems like in this in this run of episodes which uh, abc is now promoting as tonight and every tuesday at 10 p.m uh, at least through valentine's day uh it seems that we are getting uh answers and revelations and and certainly moving through with uh with perhaps the superior not too far away our tag, Matt, features Radcliffe asking Ada how their guest is. May A remains unconscious. Um, there was an increase here with the fight. He had to take her back to Bahrain. We see her there. Uh, I'm not sure. We'll have to go back. I have not gone back and, and watched that episode in between, you know, last night's episode airing and us podcasting and the original episode uh, with the cavalry reveal from um, season two. However, uh, she kills the blonde woman. I don't know if this is new footage, old footage, um, 
but uh, we hear agents talking, you know, asking how she was able to take out that many people. They refer to her as the cavalry here. And then over the phone, we hear her talking with uh, uh, Blair Underwood's Andrew, telling um, him that she did it. She saved the girl. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Pete, first up, Radcliffe in his many forms. Well, I guess the many is two, but it's still more than most of us have. Um, I feel bad that he's going bad, but of course that was to be expected all along, particularly in the, the seedy way in which the character was first introduced. Probably we are starting to... to uh, have some sort of uh, final motions uh, on the Radcliffe act, whether it's five episodes, 10 episodes, 15 episodes. That makes me hashtag Sadcliffe. But, um, <laughs> but uh, John Hanna is just so wonderful. Good guy, bad guy, sympathetic guy, whatever it is. He, he's great on this show. The villain continues to find greater depths. You know, first it's just abduction and, uh, you know, power lusting and and now by the end of the episode we're full-on conspiracy we've we've made our own life model decoy we're watching others through it and uh we've aligned ourselves with who we thought might be the big bad with this even greater bad we've not even met hanging out there yet so yeah uh john hannah's uh you know, been at this character for almost a year now. It's amazing how quickly that's gone and how long this game has been, as he pointed out. But uh, I get the feeling there's going to be even more uh, surprises coming. Pete, next on the list is uh, Ada in in her many forms. And uh, and um, certainly now, now we see the virtual Ada in this. And... Uh, she continues to be a really interesting villain, despite being somewhat two-dimensional. No, no, no discredit meant towards the writing, just it's the nature of her, her robot ways. And you think about the different ways that Mallory Jensen has been asked to play her. Now we're throwing in the wrinkle beyond the different copies of playing different iterations of her within this framework that um, May A is imagining. So certainly gives it a different link. I, I, I love the, uh, the physicality that, you know, clearly it's Jensen's stunt double, but, you know, being able to do this as the robot, even though we are in the, the framework, um, adds another, uh, dimensionality to it in this other dimension. Last Pete on the old dossier is Senator Nadir herself, somebody who apparently we can assume does not have does not have a robot double or a virtual double, but uh, is a little two faced nonetheless. Yeah, she doesn't have a lot to work with this week, but this is where Parmenanagra as a performer, you know, she she grandstands in the scene of the proceedings there and then a little bit of uh, mustache twirling villainry at the end with uh all right we're gonna we're gonna turn you over to the superior so super excited to see what kind of dynamic uh she has there i just madam I'm, I'm hopeful it's not a 
uh, girl with the flower dress type of thing where, oh, you said you had this and instead you don't, you're not the, you're not the clairvoyant, oh, wah, wah. you know, this show does like to build up its dreaded people off screen and then really pull the rug out from the people who are buying into that. Hmm. That is an, that is an interesting observation, Pete. And I know that you meant it unironically because that is certainly a legit observation of the show. But so what you're saying, Pete, is that the the big architect of it all might end up might end up ultimately fizzling or ultimately letting down the followers. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to share that kind of in, in a vacuum, share that observation in a vacuum. Um, but. It is interesting to think that the show, to, to take it back solely uh, to the universe of the show, it is, it is interesting to think that there are kind of certain patterns in the storytelling. And um, I dare say that they, they would be ill-served to do that again. Um, it's worked when it's worked, but it's, you know, kind of, you know, two's company, three's a crowd, that kind of thing. So uh, I guess time will tell. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, Colson, May, Felinda. I had almost wondered if the just just with the way Radcliffe worded it, I'd wondered if perhaps maybe oh maybe no pun intended. Um, there they were setting up a possible reveal of you know. May may like somebody else other than Colson. I don't know if that would make story sense. I don't know if that would be emotionally um, rewarding to we the viewers, even if we even if we like. I'm not big in on Felinda as as shipping it, but I would feel a little ill served if it was like no, actually May likes you know Bruce, the guy who wears all black and has carries the shotgun in the background of scenes. Like that wouldn't have much payoff either. Nathanson, indeed. Something like that. To, you know, fans have been clamoring for this ever since their close association in, you know, the, the fairly early going of this show. And now, you know, in in the the 70 uh, plus episodes that have run, I think this was 77? I think 77, yeah. Um, to... to you know, be revealing that he's seen in her head that that's the case. Okay. Now, whether it becomes something and, and we've seen this slow burn and build up over the last several episodes with the, the bottle and, and everything there and the, the, you know, the scenes that they've been sharing and the types of scenes and the, the tragic nature of the reveal that, you know, who he thinks he's sharing this bottle that they've talked about sharing for a long time is not who he thinks it is. Um, wait, wait, Pete, one thought that just popped into my head. Mm -hmm. The show has already done a flash forward once of about six months or so. Mm -hmm. Suppose this is a setup to do a flash forward where, it, you know, the flash forward, just a flash forward, flash forward to they are happily together or they had, they tried it out and now they're not anymore. So you kind of, the fans, <laughs> Fans on both sides could get their cake and eat it too. Um, I'll do you one better. And again, I am not going to take credit for this because I heard somebody or rather saw on Twitter them mention it elsewhere. But 
how terrible would it be, Matt, doing that one better that they're in the framework? Ooh. That this is this is a simulation. I mean, no no season five renewal. We could pull the plug. They could pull the plug. It was it was a simulation all the time. You were in Tahiti. Hey, Phil, go join those Avengers who who need you. Oh, I mean, Pete, that 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 has the whiff of the infamous uh, Saint Elsewhere series finale, which I, I dare say is how not to do a finale if people enjoy a show. Would I put it past them? Not that I think Tancheron and Whedon and Bell are out to hurt us, but if they're looking for bigger and better zings, that's that's one way to do it. It is. I would hope that's not the way. There, There is a certain narrative bite to it, but it smacks of convenience and not long-form storytelling. Matt, the Mac reveal. Is this the truth, or does it almost seem like too overly convenient and tragic to throw Yo-Yo off the scent of something? I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I have fun every week, and I, I, I buy into these characters, and I, I enjoy the thrills and the twists and the turns. They don't spend a lot of time as a show developing newer characters. Now, Mac has been around a good long time, I believe since season two. two. So he, he's, no, he's no newbie. Um, and certainly some of the more beloved characters, whether they were guest characters or re- recurring or whatever, have not been around as long as Mac has. So I'm not saying that he's 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 too new to earn a backstory. I think that at a certain point, though, they may have looked and said, hey, Mac has been around so long. He's no longer a wallflower and he's no longer uh, it's, we're no longer kind of get to know you with the new agent. Um, he doesn't have a backstory. So I think that this was an elegant shoehorning. Of, of a background to him and and um that's kind of my take how about uh radcliffe and the uh nadir scene at the end with the superior we've asked it before we'll we'll ask again because there's more to chew over do we know who the superior is oh goodness i i I, in my spoiler-free state, I could nonetheless tell you, absolutely not. There's no way that we know the Superior. This is going to be, and out of the shadows comes your second half. I mean, no, we're technically in the second half of the season. Aren't we? Yeah, 11, right? Yeah. Um, but, like, this is going to be your, 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 your second half reveal of your Bill Paxton, your Edward James Olmos. This is going to be the reveal of, oh, my goodness, they got, they got who for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Um, whoever that might be, it's going to be the reveal of that. And we had the Radcliffe, the Bradcliffe. I love it. The B Radcliffe, uh, LMD. Are there other LMDs running around shield? It's kind of a loaded question given that Matt watched a preview last night. Well, I couldn't help. And I will choose my words carefully because, listen, l- let me let me talk to my spoiler-free army here for a second. All it's right, okay so to everybody slip else <laughs> not listen, okay? I believe it's it's Matt and two other people right now. I'll step away from the mic. 
we all slip every now and then. And I'm not going to talk about what's coming next week other than to say hashtag Pat and Oswald. Other than that, I, I, I didn't watch much of it. It was just a just a, a nip, a wee nip. But anyway, Pete, um, you know, I hadn't even taken the preview that way. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go back to my spoiler free state here. Pete, there is a limit to the number of LMDs the show can do because then it just becomes mazes on mazes and mazes. And the fact that they've now led us into the idea of false reality and and whatnot that, that May is being put through. If you overdo that, then the, then then nothing counts because everything is possible. I think I'm, that we, we have our two LMDs and there will be no more. Wow. I, I can't be that definitive on it, particularly when, if you're in that writer's room, other than the edict of this one's not real and this one's not real, that's got to be a temptation they are fighting every day. Wait, but wait, I can... I can put this person and do this and move this piece around and, oh, they're not really who, who we believe them to be. So I just think it's, it's too great a temptation to not use. I think that they will save it for, save it for if and when they want to bring back Brett Dalton in some fashion. Let's say, as a uh, series finale, perhaps. Then there's the reveal. Look, we've made we, we've made an LMD of him, and he can be sweet and nice and pure, like just something like that. I think they're going to save it for for something like that, where we as the audience would go, oh, "Okay, that I'll buy," but if, not not the constant only, reveal. If only Matt and I, I don't think the coincidence can be lost that Brett Dalton uh, is opening a movie this month, the resurrection of Gavin Stone. If only we could get the resurrection of Grant Ward for the scene where the the team reunites one more time to go on one last mission. How great would that be? One last really last mission with Ward superseding the last mission which itself overtook the last mission with ward transmissions. let's check the wire matt first to facebook donna marie rosado uh crescent moon cottage on the twitter but here on the facebook she writes haven't been watching on tuesday nights because that's just too late for this old lady Donna, you're not an old lady. I miss live tweeting with you guys, but I never miss a podcast heart emoji. Well, we always love knowing that Donna is listening, and uh, we certainly do miss her on the live tweeting. It, the 10 p.m. hour it has has taken some adjustment. Uh, maybe Inhumans will be <laughs> in the fall will be on at an earlier time, but then they're probably going to hit us with Inhumans and Shield back to back, and we're going to be like, Pete, how do we podcast this thing? But it's good to have such problems, and it's made better when Donna listens. So thank you, Donna. Next up, Jeffrey Allen John Cox, also via Twitter, uh, adds, adding to the minority name characters being racist discussion, brought up in last week's podcast, Matt was really on the money, but it's very hard to explain exactly what he's trying to say. I'll try as well. The writer's intended audience in these scenes are people who don't believe racism exists unless it's against people who look 
like them. By having minorities act as the, quote, racist, unquote, propagators, using the same language used by many Trump supporters and Trump himself over the past year and a half, the writers draw a connection between that intended audience and the anti-inhuman character. The hope would be, as a writer, to influence that person, to change their point of view, and to open their mind by showing them that this person, who may look like a terrorist or an immigrant, is saying the same things they've been saying, but about our heroes. Yes, the comments by these characters have been directed to minority heroines, primarily Quake and Yo-Yo, but they are our heroes, all caps there by Jeff. Uh, to that intended audience who only sees racism if it's directed toward them, the heroes are their surrogates. Therefore, the writer's goal is to show someone who looks like someone the intended audience is afraid of in real life being racist and saying the same things the intended audience says and believes in real life, but then have those things directed toward the heroes of the show hopefully sparking a hint of recognition and awareness in the intended audience that opens their minds a bit. That last sentence was long, but I think edited properly. Certainly some great thoughts there. And I love that uh, our pal JJ NATO is, uh, is taking the most optimistic route that this, this, this silly fun show where people run around and, and have comic book uh, fights and whatnot, that that, can truly, that that can truly change some minds and open some eyes. That is, uh, that is uh, leaning towards the best in all of us. So, so thank you, good old Jeff. Pete, here's a tweet from Drew Dawkins. That's at Drew Dawk, uh, who says uh, something that I think we all have echoed in the last week. He says, hey, guys, props for Ruth Nega, first cover of Vogue and now an Oscar nomination. Awesome. So awesome indeed to see the, uh, the, the former girl in the flower dress now an Oscar nominee. To have three Marvel Cinematic Universe alums gain uh, acting nominations yesterday, Mahershala Ali of uh, Luke Cage being the other from the TV side, outnumbering the, the film side, and then Natalie Portman, um, who, okay, she's, she's in Thor, she's in the two movies. She's like, wouldn't come back for more Thor. Likely, likely done. Although, you know, the, the infinity war hubbub continues to be all consuming. Um, it, that's a wonderful thing. And that Ruth Nega who started in the first season, the, the girl in the flower dress and, and look where she is now. That's fantastic. It's fantastic in terms of diversity, given how Oscar uh, got it so wrong last year in terms of the exclusions made from its nominations uh, leading to those awards. So just a, a wonderful, wonderful day as far as that's concerned. And, you know, people connected with with Marvel TV, both on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and Luke Cage. Pete, the last tweet from Saren, that's Serendipity824, uh, in response to me running down the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. numbers with two Mays, one ate a body, one head, one virtual, two Radcliffs, and many faces for Senator Nadir. Saren says, layers and layers of intrigue. Talk about deals with the devil. This is insane. 
hashtag Agents of Shield. And Pete, of course, we've learned uh, from Agents of Shield that when you make a deal with the devil, the devil comes a calling before too long, usually in the April to May area. So <laughs> there's always redemption or there's always justice. Yeah, like the kids say, uh, it's lit. Well, Pete, keeping the podcast lights on, seamless transition, is, of course, all the help that we get on patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. So I want to say thank you to everybody who uh, heads on that way and who helps uh, helps us with our podcast storage and bandwidth costs. If you're into getting a little something back, uh, in addition to this thing we do for free for you, uh, there are a multitude of perks to choose from at several levels. If you just want to contribute, you can uh, you can set up a one-time situation as well. Uh, everybody wins, and we're so super grateful for your generosity. So thanks again. With that, Pete, how can people be in touch with you on the Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 8,728 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast 24-7, 365. We are Fantastic Geek. That is Fantastic with the P and the H. You can find us on FantasticGeek.com, Fantastic Geek on Instagram and Twitter, or send an email to FantasticGeek at gmail.com. But wait, Pete, is there more? Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek, all one word, with the PH. Hit that little thumb icon today. Well, Pete, we will be back next week for sure, maybe sooner, depending on the, the explosive nature of the secret reveal that Marvel will be having tomorrow morning. Regardless, we'll be talking to you all soon. So with that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. I'm happy Turtle Man came out to play this morning. <laughs>